you're listening to Caddy Wampus. Hi, I'm David. I'm Steve. I'm Gory. And I'm Brian. We play the original Unreal. It's a first-person shooter that came out in mid-1998. It's one of the... I'm not, it's not the first 3D game, but it was one of the first widely adaptable 3D games. What is the first... Is, is like Doom considered the first 3D shooter? Actually, Wolfenstein. Wolfenstein. And, okay. and then Doom shortly thereafter. Gotcha. Um, and those are what, like 94, 95? Somewhere uh, around yeah. earlier yeah. than that. 1872? Yes. So those <laughs> when games, did we acquire Louisiana? <laughs> in a technical sense, games like Wolfenstein and Doom, Doom 2, um, all very well known in gaming culture, they weren't true 3D games except for their levels. Almost everything in them was actually a two-dimensional sprite, which would rotate to always face the player. So there's no 3D rendering going on for anything except for where you're walking. <clears throat> It's not a full 3D game. It's just a 3D game with some tricks to make you think it's fully 3D. That's why Wolfenstein, you always felt like you are in like a house of mirrors. Everything is always looking at you. So, so you were saying is from the player's perspective, it is 3D, but the actual reality that the game is creating is not 3D. Exactly. The world is 3D, but there's no models on anything except for the level design. Where The other games like um, Quake, Quake 2, and <laughs> Unreal actually did have fully 3D um, levels. Everything from the pickups to the npcs everything was full 3d with a mesh with an animation set that wasn't like pre-rendered outside of of course typical animation software i mean devil's advocate isn't the difference just academic well in the sense that the player would never i mean if it's actually very obvious if a sprite falls in the forest and no one's there so (laughs) like like if 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 you are the player and there's never a hypothetical other player like you do see it though like if you look at an enemy it looks like a piece of paper right right right. standing with a a, yeah there's no depth to it there's not really a shadow and here's the other thing especially in games like on not like this where you could actually look up and down to a small degree. you If you look down at an object that normally looks like it's laying flat on the floor, it would still be in the same position but when you saw it. Big. So it looks like something that should be laying flat. It's actually now tilted on its side looking at you. And if you jump down while still looking at it, it'll magically rotate to be in the same axis looking at you. And that that's the difference between like these first 3D games that came out, like Wolfenstein and Doom, and the next generation of 3D games that games like Unreal really brought about. And credit given where it's due, I think Quake did beat them to the punch on the full 3D bit, but there were some technical limitations with Quake that Unreal sought to boot uh, past. So one of the big things for the day was they introduced a software renderer, which means that you didn't need to go out to a store and buy a fancy smanshy graphics card to play the game. You could actually just play it with your CPU. That was unheard of at that point with 3D the way it was going. With a game like Quake, you needed to have OpenGL support. Those sick Trent Reznor beats. I have extended my knowledge of Quake. <laughs> I know nothing else about Quake other with, than with Trent Reznor scored. <laughs> with its nail gun and its uh, ammo pickup, the nine inch nails. I'm sure. Is, is that really? That is game? actually, yep. yes. You're going to go play Quake now? Why did we not play Quake? <laughs> All my weird. questions for about Unreal are going to be Quake questions. <laughs> it looks a lot worse, believe it or not. But we can I believe do, you. We can do that later. You'll, I believe you'll you. You'll see why. I so like this is like, more. this is to like do what like Virtua Fighter is to like Mortal Kombat. I guess. Should I see myself out? Everyone just looked at me like I, <laughs> uh, I, I either said the smartest thing or the dumbest thing ever. And I can't well, tell you it's, which it's is weird what. because one predates the other so significantly. Doom does predate Unreal by at least five or six years. Somebody can. Well, so yeah, uh, Corey was correct. It was May of '98 was Unreal, and right. then uh, uh, Doom uh, was in '93. So five right. years. You know, Five years. just like everything else, all <laughs> graphics tech or all graphics computing at that point and pushing up until the last like five or six years, everything was on an exponential curve. Mm-hmm. So everything just kept getting better and better and better. It was actually a really great uh, time for gaming because we were going from very basic side scrollers and what we know as arcade graphics to what we now see as fully 3D and pseudo lifelike environments. The the big arms race in terms of hardware and software development happened here in the late 90s. And we could still see like the steam really started to run off of these technologies in the early 2000s. And we haven't really gotten at the same pace. We're still making improvements, but it's nowhere near the scale, the pacing that we were seeing of games like Quake and Unreal when they came out and the games that followed thereafter. 
so Corey, what was the what's the story of Unreal? And before you say there isn't one, I just looked it up on Wikipedia. There is one. And there are way more paragraphs in this than some narrative-driven comic books that will remain nameless. (laughs) There is a story. There's four solid paragraphs in this Wikipedia. There is a story, although for the intensive purposes of the co-op playthrough, I'm sure Mm -hmm. you notice, it's not particularly important. It it does enrich your experience of the game, and I think it does make it more fun. But when you have four people (laughs) running at full speed through levels, you're not going to really get that experience. So that, that is true. We played this together. Right. Dividing and conquering, getting I saw lost. several fish. <laughs> Many people died lots to of buttons, lava pits. Lots of ladders. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And pitch darkness. And, and elevators. I swam more in this than the last Zelda game. You swam a good bit in lava, too. Um, I did. So the story is, as the protagonist, um, you're a prisoner heading for a penal colony. And your ship gets pulled into what is essentially the Bermuda Triangle of space. And that... Once you've entered into any degree of orbit on this planet in Apali, your ship is probably going to crash. In fact, it's a ship graveyard, as you find when you leave your ship that you crashed on and start wandering around the world looking for weapons and things to loot and all that. There are a multitude of ships. In fact, in the section that we played through, um, I think we went through no less than three other ships that had crashed and were either... Is that what those were? Yeah. Some of them. (laughs) I didn't mean that to be flippant. I, I was literally like, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, is that what that was supposed to be? <laughs> yeah, there were several ships, and those were those very, very claustrophobic and dark levels, which at uh-huh. the time were, you know, insane. The lighting engine was one of the really big defining features of this game and its engine it was debuting. So they were really showing that off of, no, look, it's pitch black, but turn on a flashlight. Mm-hmm. Now you can actually see, no. here's a flare. It's right. an orange light, and it's dynamic. And as the flare goes down the shaft, the light it follows really, it. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of cool tech coming out. And at the time when this came out, there wasn't really any game that looked as good as it. In terms of the lighting, the textures, right. it, and mind you, it's been 20 years, um, just over 20 years, really. I mean, I didn't think it was that dark. Steve, do you concur? Yeah. Technical difficulties <laughs> led me to uh, a very dark place, uh, as in I spent the first two hours uh, basically feeling my way, uh, Matt Murdock style. <laughs> yeah. Through. Uh, How was Daredevil the game? <laughs> Not Dare, great. Daredevil versus Predator. Not yeah, great. Was Daredevil versus <laughs> Predator. I think yeah, this play. I will. I will say I enjoyed this game quite a bit. Actually, I had I had quite a bit of fun. I literally don't think I've played a game like this since probably like 1997. But it occurred to me as an adult and not as a as a stupid child who was playing these things. Um, as an adult, I was like, legally, how did they get around? How some of this stuff just looks exactly like things from doom exactly like predators like i'm like i guess fox just didn't know this existed would be my only guess and at the time it wasn't as big either yeah so i mean it was it was popular in you know the gaming culture but Mm -hmm. gaming wasn't like it is today no can you imagine if a game like this came out and there was just a predator (laughs) unlicensed there's there's a few things that are similar although Mm -hmm. as a long time fan of the game i don't really see the what are the scared or the scare the scar how do you pronounce it nobody seems to really agree on this i know you have a wiki but that will disagree s-k-a-a-r-j-r-j i'm gonna say scarge because because s-k-a-a-r is the name of the Hulk's son, and his name is pronounced Scar, so, so, so I'm just going to go with Scarge. That's how I used to pronounce it. So the Scarge, silent. in later games, actually got a more refined look as more He's polygons Swedish. were allotted. And they actually don't look anything like the Predator, aside from some of them having like the tusks, <clears throat> and some of them have claws. But they redefined the look as they got more polygons, uh-huh. and then eventually we stopped seeing... Uh, this particular uh, antagonist, the Scarge, completely because Unreal shifted from Legal a, a year later. Unreal Tournament came out because you guessed it, Quake Three came out to compete with Unreal. I did guess that. Continue. <laughs> well, I definitely knew what you just said. These are in thing. fact things I was aware of. Did <laughs> <laughs> you have no follow-up questions? I definitely know when Quake Three came out. Yes, well, Quake Three and Quake Three Team Arena came out after, so Unreal Tournament was sort of the follow-up response to that, and that means that we're not getting a single-player campaign. Instead, we're getting a full suite of multiplayer options. Instead of just you know deathmatch or team deathmatch like we had right. in Unreal Gold. Um, and by the way, it was pretty much limited to that much. I know we didn't go through that bomb. I think they also have like King of the Hill and Last Man Standing, but at the I, time I whenever you went on... I sworn there was a capture of the flag. Mm-hmm. Not in Unreal Gold. Uh, they didn't introduce that until Unreal Tournament. And that's when they also introduced Domination and a lot of other really team-focused activities. And that's when not just online gaming, but also land gaming was starting to really surge up. Land gaming had started back with Doom. And that was just something that, you know, quote unquote, the nerds did on weekends. They would get their computers. Got their asses to Mars. And they'd kill each other in like a death match. Well, games like Unreal Tournament basically said, hey, you don't just have to kill each other. You could split up into two teams of eight 
and try to defend your flag and take the flag. You could do try to capture these three points on the map and hold them to score points, you know. Team focus instead of just running around shooting people. So a lot of people that have been playing these games, really up until then, you're just trying to get better. You So you're trying to learn where things spawn. You're trying to get really fast and accurate with your shooting. And trust me, some of the people that have played this for a while, I mean, you wouldn't believe their response time. They see someone in the corner of the screen, and instantly the crosshair's on them, they pulled the trigger, and they got a headshot. Games nowadays aren't really that fast-paced, aside from maybe Counter-Strike Go. And that was back when we got Fatality, <clears throat> which was, I guess, one of the, the, the first, first pro this gamers. not a Mortal Kombat when you're No, no, a person whose ah, handle yeah. was Fatality. Yeah, Fatality. Oh, he like sold a, a, a famous gamer yeah. for a while. Yeah. So yeah, his name oh, was, so name? he was living the good life. Yeah, he got signed with... Um, I think it might have also been Asus or Gigabyte, as well as Creative. And his name is basically put on their hardware with the red and black theme. It's still on a lot of it. Yeah, and people buy it because they think it's better because Fatality is on there. And, and he was just very good at this Quake. game? Yeah. Oh, Quake. Quake. <clears throat> but it was around the same time. That was like the first real competitive gamer you really saw. Or a, I guess a name for a competitive gamer. As intense as Unreal Tournament got with its own competitive gaming scene, uh, Quake was always considered to be the more prestigious because it was much more punishing for mistakes and it was much faster paced in the deathmatch. So, yeah, that's kind of where your, your pro gamers would really kind of congregate to. It was Quake and Quake tournaments. Steve, you've been unusually quiet. I can only assume you loved Unreal. I wouldn't say I hated it. It was... Uh, uh, put that on the box. This was a game. Di I didn't hate it. Uh, no, I mean, it's very much what I expected it to be. It definitely felt like a fast-paced shooter from the late 90s. I mean, it came down to being exactly what I thought it was going to be, which was Quake, but not Quake. <laughs> I think the biggest problem with any shooter from before early 2000s is that they weren't cinematic. They didn't have set pieces where it moved the story along by having NPCs and different set pieces that would explode or characters leading you somewhere. Instead, it's just exploring pretty much empty environments. It's like mist with guns. <clears throat> yeah, and like trying to find the button that you have to hit or the elevator that you Boy, have to Boy, did we find the elevators. Yeah. I have been so in many. more elevators today than possibly yeah. every other game in my life combined. Yeah. And it's, it's a lot harder to find where you're going because in, in almost every game today, either you have a marker or a checkpoint of some kind mm -hmm. or you have a character that's leading you there. <clears throat> or the narrative is leading you there. Right, right, right. right Whereas right. in this, it is, it's more or less it's an empty environment, which at the time you really didn't see it as that. But going back and playing it now, I'm like, oh, this is literally an empty level. Yeah, there's, there's, there's nothing here except... I, no, no, no. There were tables and chairs <laughs> and pots and it was, yeah, it was yeah, a lot I, like Zelda. <laughs> I remember one area in particular where we were walking into what I can only describe as a castle or a tower or something. The and we, Right, and we walked for... A good thirty seconds on just an empty chasm. Just oh, going walking. up to the, the bridge. Going, yeah, going yeah. on that bridge, and it was just walking. There was yeah. nothing there. And I think the problem is, is that I look at games like this that came out around the same time as games that kind of set a new standard for how first-person narrative and story went. And I'm thinking of games like GoldenEye, because GoldenEye was the first game that you walked into a level. And there were set objectives for you to complete in this story-driven game. So there would be puzzles or targets you had to take out or... CGI Alan Rickman. Right. Alan, no, Alan Cumming. Damn it. Those terrifying faces. <laughs> but there were all these things that you had to accomplish that get brought more to the story. And then from then on, first-person shooters started to copy that as you know the template by which we still do stuff today. Goldeneye's before this, though. I think Goldeneye's 97. 97, yeah. Yeah. So, and that's what perplexes me to an extent is, you know, this was a game that ran on hardware that was infinitesimally less powerful on the N64, and then a year later we get a game like Unreal, which could accomplish so much of that same thing and have that same kind of gravity to mm -hmm. any event, but instead it just chooses to be a corridor shooter. But it looks so much better than Devil's Advocate. It is the prettiest. <laughs> it, it, it is the prettiest empty room I've ever seen compared to Goldeneye. Right. A even, room rife with incident. Even on Opinion Two, Unreal did run much better than Goldeneye ever did, and I remember very specifically how low the frames got on Goldeneye. Oh yeah, was absolutely. Great. The second Some thing to keep in mind here sometimes. is uh, this is also at a time where games were coming out of the arcade setting. 
and we were going into this sort of phase of game design where it was just corridor shooting. You go from point A to point B, and you go to the you're in the next level, and you kill things along the way. You can explore and find secret areas along the way. <clears throat> secret areas were a thing. You don't really see those in a lot of modern games. Um, and Goldeneye, I think, is a little bit of an extra normal example because that was based off of a movie. Right, and then they followed go it on. up shortly. But, but yeah. just bear with me here. This, <laughs> Tell isn't, me more. this isn't just Goldeneye. This is a lot of games that were made from movies. Like, oh, there's a movie out, and now there's also a game and it's based around that movie. You would see a lot of that. Oh, yeah, sure, there's a progressing story. There's other things to do. You're trying to be the person in this movie. So that wasn't really the standard in games. That was something you kind of expected with movie game adaptations at the time. Now, that did change, but... I feel like that was sort of the attitude towards first-person shooters and, in general. And at that just point. to clarify, when when Unreal came out, the team that made that game <clears throat> had they done games previously, or had they just built yes. the engine? So they were previously called Epic Mega Games, and they made a few side scrollers. Um, among which is actually one of my childhood favorites, Jazz Jackrabbit, a blatant Sonic ripoff. I think <laughs> was, wasn't Jackrabbit. wasn't that yeah. what uh, Cliffy Beam had worked on? Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that was his they first actually, game. They wrote... Clarified. The, this is actually not just a game project for Epic. This is actually their first engine, and it's a 3D engine. And on top of that, when they debuted this game and this engine, if you're familiar with how, how the setup works with like game studios, think about Crisis when it came out. Nobody played yeah. it because it was a good story. They played it because it looked great, and, oh, I want to use this engine to license my game. That was kind of what Unreal was trying to do. It's like, hey, yeah, check out this beautiful world we built. The story, you know, the quote-unquote story, the single-player campaign lasts long enough to entertain you. The multiplayer is there, and the multiplayer works really good, given what was out there at the time. What was, I'm sorry, Jazzy Jackrabbit? It's Jazz Jackrabbit. Oh, Jazz Jackrabbit. <laughs> it's a side-scroller involving really high-speed platforming, shooting enemies that Which, would take your health points away if you But is he them. a Jackrabbit? He's questionably a jackrabbit. I mean, I think there's another game almost like it called Bucky O'Hare. Bucky O'Hare, yeah, yeah that's a yeah. toy line that got turned into video games yep. and stuff like that. Dead Eye Duck, I remember. I'm back on that. I can, you want to talk about Bucky O'Hare? I can talk to you about Bucky O'Hare. But so Jazz Jack, I'm sorry, I'm so charmed by this. And they also released Epic Pinball. I think that was actually one of their first titles. Mm -hmm. What kind of animal was in that? Um, a ball. Was it cute? Was it like song? It was <laughs> highly spherical. Yeah, this sounds less interesting. This sounds less up my alley. Yeah, it was a pinball game. I've always seen Unreal as more of a <clears throat> tech demo than an actual game. Is it like and, Portal in that respect? Uh, it's like, can you believe we did this? The first Portal? Kind of. It's not like there's really a narrative in the <clears throat> but first it, Portal. But Portal, they, they had an engine. They were just using the Source engine, which has been right. used multiple times. I mean, the, the idea of Portals, that was kind of new. Well, yeah, I mean, it's more <clears throat> proof of concept of, hey, look what you can do. Yeah. Um, but you think about it for five seconds. I don't really think Unreal brought anything new gameplay-wise, mm -hmm. uh, but I do think the engine. I don't know that lava. <laughs> there are actually some really, really cool flowed. things in the engine's editor, uh, Unreal editor. That's what's been dutifully called since its incarnation. And there was actually for the longest time, even a decade after release, so 2008, I was actually a really active participant in a modding community. For a game that is 10 years old, there were several thousand people online on this forum. I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but given how old the game is, I consider that to be quite a lot. And a lot of teams of people who had taught themselves had a script in the engine that were building their own assets out of game and importing them into this old engine. This is Unreal Engine 1, mind you. It's got some serious hard-coded limits as a 32-bit platform. And they're making total conversion mods single-player campaigns with voice acting and bear with because it's a little cringy like facial animations all that mod teams continue to bring life into this game with their own projects or their own continuations of the story as it were or to introduce new stories onto the same planet and there were a very large number of releases um, some of the biggest well-known ones are probably a mixture of either seven bullets or operation napali uh, zidia just to name a few and these campaigns these mods are longer than the original game, and in some cases use more assets that were created originally by the mod teams than were even present in the original game. And the community is still partially active, although I'm a little disappointed to see after 20 years it's really not what it used to be. I kind of expected Unbelievable. that. Unbelievable. <laughs> there Wait, is you mean they don't make Mario levels anymore for the first Mario game? Actually, they do. Yeah, uh, yeah, they, they 100% yeah. do. There's I mean, people still, still make NES games. One mod that's teasing <clears throat> is going to be released soon, trademark, um, called Residual Decay, made by the same team that did uh, Zidia and Seven Bullets. My um, God, those were the best ones. Well, they were somewhat popular. <laughs> on a roll. Keep going. <laughs> I listed the most popular ones, I, but I in came. terms of total conversions, those were the 
either the most in-depth and or the most popular and downloaded. So there were actually hundreds of standalone levels, single-player campaign levels, or just mod packs that you could add on to the game. For example, like a co-op Redux that someone made for Unreal Tournament called Old School Amped. And what that let you do is copy your original Unreal folder into your Unreal Tournament directory. It would load those assets and actually create a better multiplayer platform. So every time you die, as you know, know, you lose all your weapons. You lose your armor. You lose your inventory. I'm familiar with this. Yes. It happened to many of you tonight and to me once. Sadly. Oh, well, why don't you go to hell? <laughs> well, old school. I'm sorry that you're all elite gamers and I am an artist. Well, the three of you died quite a bit, so I don't think anybody's. There's a lot of fans and a lot of lava. So mm-hmm. Old School Amped would actually spawn you with the weapons that you would have had if you'd just been playing single player and you quick-loaded the game. Because when you die in this game, you don't respawn. This game over, pick on a load game. Either you can restart the level from the save game that gets made there, or you can restart your quick-load, which is a reference to a quick-save file. You press F5 at any point, it saves the game. Press F9, you load the game. So if you die, you quick-load. Instead of having to restart the level, you just go back to wherever you last saved. So quick save and quick load were invented for this? Well, no, they were present in other games prior to this. I'm uh, sorry, it sounded like you were on a rant because you were upset that this either wasn't somewhere or... Well, was here's the thing. Corey, why don't you give us one of your trademark rants? Here's the thing. <laughs> Tell so me about Linux. Introduce. <laughs> that's a different day. So introduce... Corey's going to have to sell us on Linux one episode. <laughs> it's just going to be us quiet in the corner. <laughs> Yeah, I'll just be standing on the table shaking my fist all the time. Yeah, so can we all get penguin suits? As you, as you all know, when you're playing any game, dating back to the earliest of games, you could save your progress. Not the earliest arcade games, but you could save your progress and continue later on if you had to do something. So you would press a button to enter the menu, select save, select a save game slot, and that would create a save point. Quick save is basically its own dedicated save slot that's dedicated to a specific shortcut key well, two shortcut keys quick save and quick load so instead of having to go through all these menus to save your progress you can quick save and that's really really great for games where the consequence of death is restarting the level from scratch because instead of losing all your weapons you can just hit quick load and go back to whatever it is you were doing before you made that critical mistake so at, later on we started to see quick save disappear as games like call of duty and halo introduced checkpointing which is basically a quick save when we let you there's no manual saving. It's just, okay, everything's dead in the area. Oh, except for that grunt over there. Go kill him. Okay, now it says quick saving, you know, or checkpoint done. And Ooh. now if you were to come back or die, you'll just be exactly right here. Um, and this is, that system had its own issues for quite a while before they so, worked out. But I, As someone who is not a gamer to, to your guys' degree, I finally got a Switch, and I got Elder Scrolls Skyrim which I had never played before because I was in grad school when it came out and I just didn't have time. And it doesn't have an like auto save feature on the Switch. You have to manually save. It doesn't auto save when you... It saves like 20 minutes ago. <clears throat> I think <laughs> so. And you have to manually save throughout it. And as someone who's not used to that, I basically stopped playing Skyrim because I would like die and they're like... Turn well, it off and forget. Well, well they, I, would, I, would, uh, they, I would die and they're like, well, go back to half an hour ago. And I was like, you go back to half an hour ago. <laughs> I'm going home. That's I think on, terrible. Yeah, I think on PC it's set to anytime you enter a room, it yeah. saves. Anytime yeah, so on the, on, the Sky, on, on the Switch it does that. But if you enter a cave... That you could spend three hours in. Well, that's like that on PC too. Except yeah, you, you can save. hit quick save. Yeah, yeah, Bound to F5 yeah. Hi, yes, everyone. <laughs> All right, now, this is why David has stopped playing it. it. And that I, I, I went back to Mario Kart on the Switch. I, and I was I like, fuck that, this. I love that feature in games, but I do find it breaks the immersion because I recently been playing Deus Ex and I play stealth, and every time I do anything, I quick save <clears throat> because I don't want to mess up and have to load again. And I, it's a habit. Like I don't. Yeah. I shouldn't do it, but I do. I'll, I'll go into an event, and before I drop out, I'll quick save just to make sure I don't get found by the enemies. Yeah, it definitely doesn't help the immersion. Yeah, it's just going or being able to quick load everything just kind of breaks it. Basically, I, I as 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 a casual gamer, I like to be tricked <laughs> into thinking it is real. Well, there's a reason the system changed over time, and it's ultimately for the better. But. In my mind, there's no questioning that when checkpointing came about to replace quick saving, it was horrendously implemented. I can tell you, I can't, I cannot count how many times I died in, say, Halo, and mm-hmm. I would quick load, you know, to my checkpoint, and I'd immediately be dead again because the checkpoint happened to happen while a rocket was directly on route to my face. 
That you know, a lot in older games. Like yeah. you would, your checkpoint would be you falling off a cliff. Yep, and you get stuck. <clears> and then in a you're, loop. you're stuck falling off a cliff, which was the worst because the only other option that you have on your menu there is restart level, so, or sometimes reload. And if you only had that save, you'd have to go start I feel over. Like yeah. I don't remember if it was auto saving or if I did this accidentally by manually saving, but I just remember the Nintendo 64 Shadows of the Empire game. Like the Star Wars tie-in, mm. that was like the the fake sequel to Empire. Fake, they're all fake. Uh, the Empire the, the, the fan, the fan, uh, fan fiction. <laughs> it's all fake. Right. Uh, the Empire Strikes Back pseudo sequel that's like halfway between it and Return of the Jedi. And there's like a whole jetpacking sequence in that game mm-hmm. where you're on going after. No, 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 not not on Ord Mendel. <laughs> Kill me. Uh, <laughs> no, it was later. You were on like some other planet and you're after Boba Fett, and it was just before you fight him. You have to jetpack across, and I ended up in this thing where I would die, ran out of jetpack fuel, and it would reloaded me. It was just in the middle of nowhere with no jetpack fuel, and I literally was just like this suicide yeah. thing, and I had no other save, so I just had to start the game over. Yep. But I was 11, so that wasn't, you know, a huge deal, because my time was meaningless, apparently. Yep. And now you'd probably just throw the game away. I would never. <laughs> yeah, if never it, touch it, it again. It would reload once, and I'd be like, absolutely yeah. not, and I'd turn Sorry, on the game. <laughs> like, what's on Netflix? Although I did play through Final Fantasy VII um, on the uh, PS2. With no memory card. With no memory card. <laughs> so I had to get through the whole disc each time. No, thank you. I got through the first disc, and then I looked at the second disc and went, no. I did that with Metal Gear, and I got to the final fight, and I accidentally clicked exit instead of continue, or quit instead of continue. You clicked, and the, you clicked the lose button? Like, yeah. That Hideo, Hideo Kojima put cannot, in because it's artistic? Cannot for the life of me remember. I had to leave the game, pause when I went to school. I came back and continued the fight with Rex, and I hit quit. And I literally threw everything. I was just like, god damn it! It was wor- worst day of my life. It was yep. the worst day of yes. your life. Wow. Yes. You've led a blessed life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wasted our lives <laughs> anyway unreal you said there's tournament and there are, is there any other games in this series oh yes there's actually a number of them are they, are they called like unreal 2 unreal 3 or are they so depends on hmm, it's, it's a little tricky so oh is this like a street fighter 2 scenario uh not quite that complicated so i'll break it down like this so unreal came out in 98 and then unreal tournament came out in 99 a year later they put together a whole arena shooter unreal tournament had its own series that actually went on to go to console as well under the t- uh, title championship so Unreal Championship okay. was what it was known as. But it was essentially UT for controllers. And that had several entries to the series. UT also had a follow-up in 2003 called UT 2003 that was mysteriously retconned into UT 2004 the following year. And after that, everybody that was playing UT 2003 just stopped. I don't remember why. There was something really wrong with it, and it shouldn't have been sold. I'll put it like that. So UT 2004 was its own staple for a while. Unreal 2 also has come out around this time, which was designed to be, as I learned later, a spiritual successor to Unreal. It did not share anything Wait, in common with the original in what game. way is it a spiritual? That implies that previously these had all been narrative continuations? So Unreal has an ending. Spoilers, you end up killing so the scared mothership. And you stop the scares from being able to reproduce because they're crashed on this planet. They've been there for who knows how long. And they've enslaved all the natives. And they viciously attack anybody that lands on the planet or crashes on the planet better. So when I hear Unreal 2 is coming out, having really liked Unreal 1, I think, oh, excellent. My ship is going to be picked up and we're going to continue you know, and find out more about the planet. And no, 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 no. You're a Marine. You're doing these missions. Scourge happened to be in the game, but they're really thick and they have a lot of lar- armor on them. I mean, these guys are huge. They're not at all like the little agile lizard. Are you the same character from the first one or are you different? No, you're a completely different character. Okay. And you talk. You're a protagonist who talks. And you have other people that talk to you. On your yeah, I'm cogs. sure that helps. <clears throat> but you move as slow as a tank. You're stuck walking everywhere. In Unreal, you're running all the time. And it helps you get through the levels fairly quick. But imagine if you were moving at about a third of that speed. And the levels were the same size. That was a big issue. Also, the game had almost nothing in common with the original Unreal, except for, oh yeah, there's Scourge in it. Oh, and there's right. Thrall too, but guess what? Um, they don't look at all like you thought they did, and they don't behave at all like that. So we always do is take the same name from a couple of the enemies, apply them to a new, completely different type of enemy. We write in a story about how big government is bad, and then we wrap it up with just mass destruction. Unreal 2 was abysmal. Big government is bad. Small government. If I remember correctly, it came out right around <laughs> Halo 1 or 2. 
Mm, it was just before it was, that. It was on the Xbox and PC, <clears throat> and I, I think they were trying to appeal to the crowd that liked that game. Well, it didn't play at all like that game. In fact, it didn't play like any other game that I, I could remember playing. Yeah, Unreal 2 was an abysmal failure, and I believe it was... Um, I mean, is the studio still around in the sense that they're making games? So yes, the studio is still around. Um, I mean, they went on to create, as you know, Gears of War. I, I do not know. I mean, I do because I'm a the, epic gamer. The, the lead designer. <laughs> you're an epic, you're an epic I definitely know that. You are an epic gamer so, because you play Fortnite. Yeah. Correct. I Fortnite. have played Fortnite twice. You are correct. Fortnite is their current. Um, oh, major so that is IP. them. That, that, is, that is the same epic. Because when you said they were called Epic, what did you say? Epic they were Mega Games. Yeah, I was they, like, I was then, like, that can't be related to the current the epic. They put, no one, no one would be called that now. And the, no one would be called that in the '90s and still be around. You global hyper mega. Yeah. So is the name of their. Business. Yeah, they make the Okama Game Sphere. I they, think. <laughs> I think the lead designer from Unreal. Did Cliffy B do Unreal, or was it just so tournament? Cliff Bazinski was originally just a map uh, creator for it's, Unreal. And he's one of two credited designers in on Wikipedia. It's him for, and James Schmaltz. For mm-hmm. Unreal or tournament? For Unreal. Okay. <clears throat> because he went on to do, um, I would think he also worked on tournament, mm-hmm. and then he moved on to Gears of War. I believe he had his hands on one and two. The last one he did was UT 2004, I think. 2004. Um, okay. Which is, it's really telling, because when Unreal Tournament 3 came out, um, as good as Unreal Tournament 3 looked, it played like ass. It, yeah, it wasn't the, great. It was the worst. Yeah. It, no, and there are more people playing 2004 right now than there have ever played 2000 or Unreal 3, Unreal Tournament 3. Unreal Tournament 2004, um, it's, well, there's a reason. It's still got very fluid, smooth gameplay. Its graphics aren't as outdated, which certainly helps, but it's got a really good selection of maps, and the community continues to support it with more maps and more modifications. When you say there's more people playing the um, ballpark, how many people are playing Unreal? <clears throat> Unreal 2004, right now, probably 1 to 200. Roughly. Oh, no, it's higher than that. Yeah, it's a Is higher it? number than that. La- la- the last time I logged on, which was probably about six months ago, it was maybe 1 to 200. Now, this was also, I think, at like 2 in the morning. During peak <laughs> hours, you'd probably see anywhere from 8 to 1,200, I would say. So on Steam's tracker, um, Steam is tracking around 100 people on average signed into the game at a given time through their platform. But it's very important to note that Unreal 2004 was not initially distributed on Steam. It was initially distributed through CD, well, DVD. And it was, it's actually still provided through other services like um, GOG. You can find licenses for this game everywhere. And Steam is a very small amount, has always been a very small amount of the market share because games like Unreal Unreal Gold, um, which is Unreal and its expansion, Unreal 2, Unreal Tournament, and so on, were added to the Steam library retroactively after Epic started publishing on them. So not a lot of people got their first buy of UT 2004 or really any of the Unreals on Steam. Oh, this is my first time playing the game. I'm going to get on Steam. No, no, no. Everybody that was buying this was likely already a DVD owner that just didn't want to keep their DVDs anymore. Even Unreal Tournament 3 didn't come to Steam until uh, Black Edition, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> and that was, I think, four years after launch. So something, something it's, it's really difficult like to that. get a feel for it. With just the Steam metrics, any given time, there's about 100 people. Um, but if you go to the server list and actually look, um, you can just see how many people out of how many people are on every server that's listed. <laughs> and the number is actually several thousand. So Steam's got about maybe 10% of the market share. And and the last time I checked, I, I think I downloaded Unreal Tournament 3 six months ago also just to check it out. And I don't think there was even a server. <clears throat> and if there was, it was all bots. There was nobody online. What is the purpose of bots playing it? Uh, server so actually to, to fill a server basically to give you something to do if this, there aren't players this dates back to unreal gold gotcha. um, their debut one of their big staples was the ai the ability to fill in missing player slots mm-hmm. with not players npcs non-playable characters right and their bot ai at the time was actually very good um you really didn't have a lot of games that had ai as it were that would fill in and do a remotely good job i believe goldeneye might have had a type of bot that you could put in but it was no contest for a player. It had enemies in the single player. I don't think it had. I, mean, bots, I don't though. think they had bots. They multiplayer. <clears throat> yeah, there so were no bots. Honestly, if you compared a lot of games, AI still Unreal has better AI. Yeah, and you can kind of see they're writing with their, with their NPC code with like the various enemies. How they'll like, um, like the scourge particularly. You may have noticed if you're shooting rockets, they'll dodge in anticipation where the rocket's going to go, and they'll dodge multiple times back to back, and they won't dodge like into a wall and get hit anyway. So they made unlike these, me. They made these bots actually pretty <laughs> unlike smart. Unlike me, for several what they times were. today. <laughs> and yeah. we were and playing they... on actually the normal setting. So they, what we were fighting, wasn't even trying its best to survive against us. And, and they were still dodging everywhere. I did notice because in a lot of games, especially older games, depending on the way you run, you can almost trick enemies to fall off of platforms. Whereas 
I was running and jumping off platforms, and this character followed me, and he stayed on his platform and jumped to another one to shoot me, but never fell off or never got stuck anywhere. They, they had a really good, uh, they called them scripted pawns um, in the engine, and they are very good. And that's one of the largest classes in the game in terms of code lines. It's just the class that everything else stems from. Every monster in the game and the bots that themselves that you use to backfill a multiplayer match. Um, so say you have a map that's very large. You are designing it for 16 people, but I'll only six that. people connect. Well, you need 10 more people to really make it feel like something's going on. Otherwise, you'll end up bored, or even worse, you'll lose. <laughs> right? So bots will help fill that in. And that's to the whole you, purpose. that's worse than being bored. <laughs> Losing. <laughs> it's an interesting, interesting insight into, into, into Corey's, <laughs> to Corey's mindset. So that was also another big staple of their engine. And although the scripted pawn wasn't included by default with the Unreal Engine, you could license it for an additional fee. So a lot of game developers that are new have been coming, maybe you've only got six people in your studio. Maybe you've only got a $1 million budget for a game. If you license Unreal Engine, you have access to tons of refined code off the bat. The bots are supposed to fill in in a multiplayer match to make the map feel more full. And if you have them set to the godlike mode, they're better than some players. In fact, I'd argue they're better than most players. Most players. They'll still miss. They still have, you know, quote-unquote human error. But they know when to go, where to go pickups. They'll use vehicles appropriately if there's vehicles in the game mode. They'll attack objectives and say, like, capture the flag. They'll go and work with the person that has the flag, escort them back to the base, heal them up if they can. You know, they'll do all of this. They'll work as a team in addition to working with other player, uh, actual players. I, I call it AI. That's just kind of always been like the nickname for the bots. But it introduced bots and the multiplayer. It's a term you coined. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just been. A I like long... to call them AI. They're bots, okay? They're they're artificial intelligences. They're just not how nine thousand intelligences, okay? But they robots, could, or as I call smarter. them, bots. Robots. <laughs> you know, so they're but, not going to take over the world. Well, not unless you duel them in Unreal. Wait, what? Wait. This isn't how I've, Skynet started. But I've done this. <laughs> if you watch Terminator Genesis, it's not that far from how Skynet started, according to that reboot. I met someone online through 2004 who went to school for network coding and programming. And the only reason he played Unreal 2004, and that's like one of the only games he plays, is because of the AI. Yeah. And he, he used it for his studies and to base everything he did off of that. The great thing about the engine is, in the game, um, when you buy any of the Unreals, they come with another program in their install directory called Unreal Editor, which lets you access the game files in thoroughly, and you can modify them and save copies and publish those as mods. Um, you can also see the original source code for almost everything in the game, except for the most low-level engine-based stuff. So, if, like I was saying, with the original Unreal, one of the largest classes, you know, a type of, if you're familiar with Java at all, probably not. Of course I am. Please ask no follow-up questions. <laughs> of course you are. So and one of, C one sharp. Of, one of the largest bits of That's code a thing, right? is what of C plus. <laughs> one of the largest bits of code is their their scripted pawn, which is their bots, their monsters. <laughs> uh, technically, players count as bots, but they don't have any autonomous action. They only have input code. So, from a technical standpoint, you're just playing as one of the monsters you just have controls and they don't they have to really sell in this game well yeah they're it's really well designed i think it still holds up today even in some of the more modern games like you either don't find bots at all like um, even fortnite one of epic games if not the biggest ip they have right now is fortnite and mm -hmm. it has no bots to speak of which is a real shame because but, but isn't that the selling point that everyone you're playing with is a real person i guess not to you Corey. <laughs> <laughs> You don't care for us humans. So it's really a shame, I think, because we started to see there was almost an arms race with the bots. Um, Quake had its own very functional bots, although sometimes they were unbelievably good, which made them not fun to play against. Mm -hmm. Unreal bots had a margin of error like humans. Quake bots didn't. So if a Quake bot gets a railgun, a, a gun capable of killing you with one shot, they're going to kill you every time you even briefly show up in their field of view. Every time. Which isn't fun for a player, because even... The fastest reflexes, you're not going to be able to fight against that. Unreal, you still have a chance on the godlike setting. Quake, not so much if you're playing on the hardest. I seem to remember Time Splitters. The bots were able to literally turn and just plop you right in the head. Right. That's not believable, mm -hmm. and that's yeah. not good. A good bot should behave similar to a person and just be very good at whatever it is you're doing in that activity. If it's deathmatch, they should be good at finding weapons and shooting you with them. But isn't that part of like the the appeal of like the competitive edge against a real person because the idea is that like 
you know, you don't. You don't know what they're thinking. You don't know what they're thinking or you don't, or or more, I would say more to the point is if people like, so let's take like, uh, let's take like a physical sport in the real world, such as like football. You don't want to watch. Well, I was about to say you don't want to watch the you don't want to watch a football match with humans versus robots, but I totally want to watch that. But more is, that's more of a novelty. Like you wouldn't want to if, watch if if one team did the same exact thing every every play every mm-hmm. time. You wouldn't want to watch that. Oh, like the Overwatch. That's true. And that's but but like isn't that like Browns? I'm sorry, I'm the only one. Here I also get that sport. reference. I get those references as well. I'm I a man like, of many worlds. I understand worlds. the sports ball. I'm a man of many hats. I love to. I dunk left them all goals. at home though, so don't ask me any questions. Yeah, that, that's part um, of the allure of games specifically or, like Fortnite. But there, I think there's other cases where it would still be really good if I, I'll give one game as an example here. One current, you know, AAA game would be um, Overwatch, a game that has a very competitive scene. It has a competitive mode, which further drives this mm-hmm. competitive scene. And something that can happen, and this happens frequently, is a player will disconnect because yeah. they're angry at their team, and or they they just want to make sure that you lose. And with you know, when it's five versus six, the odds are very much not in your favor with how this game works. If we had the option for a bot to pop in and fill in on our team, that would make a world of difference. Even if it's a predictable bot that everybody can you know in their own time practice against, and eventually like, okay, I know what the bot's going to do because I've played against the bots. The only game <laughs> I've played that handles that well is Counter Strike. Correct. They, feels... the, the second a player leaves, a bot fills its place. But if your teammate dies, they can then jump into the bot shoes. Exactly. So if you get killed early on by a camper, you can take over that bot, who may have made very poor purchasing decisions early in the round, by the way. So you're not exactly getting a really great advantage. They might have picked up a submachine gun, but you're more of a sniper player. But you can still at least have like a second chance. Or even if you don't take control of the bot, the bot will do a respectable job of maintaining, you know, going it, for the objective or covering leaves, you. It still leaves it being five versus five or six versus six. <clears throat> Whereas it, right now that, in Overwatch, if somebody leaves, it's five versus six. And that's terrible. And, that's yeah, terrible but, game design. I don't know that it's terrible game design. It is. If no, I it's not. Team, because, because I can guarantee they'll fail by quitting the game. It's that simple. That's terrible game design. You allow well, no, 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 players no, you're to not, spite other players. Okay. You're not, their actions. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that it's it's not terrible game design in the sense of in a competition in the real world, a robot can't show up if somebody doesn't show up. Okay. So it, no, it is but... it would be it feels less sportsmanlike to be like, well, somebody gave up, so here's a robot. And I'm like, well, that's not if somebody left, somebody left. Now, granted, if they could come up with a way to substitute another player, which they have toyed with in some modes, then it feels like they keep pulling back from that as the it, game goes it, on. That works in quick play. It works in quick play but and it not... works in like ben, arcade. Yeah, spectator benching. Rural sports, you have a bench. If somebody yeah. gets injured or has to leave the game, you that, have to five other people sense. sitting on a bench. They, yeah. Now, they, granted, though, if you run out of those people and somebody else goes out, you are out. Yeah. Like, you're done that in terms is, of getting new people. Again, a robot cannot show up, as that, far as I know. Well, I a, Granted, Steve, maybe you can speak to this. I haven't been watching the Cleveland Browns. Do robots show up if they all die? Let's die? say yes. Fantastic. <laughs> Time to watch football. NFL, you got my money. <laughs> but that, that is something that you'll never see happen in a competitive game. But that to me, that the to me then says that, that, that that's not the way to do it, right? So in, inherently, it can't be bad game design the, if the you're like, only... yeah, but if we're playing for real, obviously we wouldn't do that. And I'm like, well, then if you're, the if you're playing way, for real, you're playing for real. <laughs> the only way that would work is if there was some kind of way that you could sign up to yeah. join in matches that are halfway through yeah but it won't affect your rank because as as it is right now you wouldn't want to join a game halfway through and not know what's happening that that would never happen well it does in arcade and quick play some right, some right. games yeah. do but have if backfill but if, if it's going to affect your rank you wouldn't want that just yeah. overwatch refuses to do this because they don't know how to run a competitive first person shooter listen unreal headbots to make maps feel more open the ratings of the overwatch league would tell you you're tell you you're wrong (laughs) good for the overwatch league in the overwatch league you have six people physically sitting in the same room across from six other people on a team nobody's rage quitting this is a league tournament wouldn't how great would that be though because you know it's gonna happen right it's gonna happen i don't think it will oh it's gonna happen somebody's gonna rage quit i mean they they do rage live and it's gonna be so great they do rage quit but they quit the team not during the game no but but when it's over they walk i'm pretty sure their contracts are very hard oh i know and i can't wait for the guy who's like fuck it okay i am Uh, out of here i am also if people can walk out of the super bowl i guarantee you somebody can walk out of the overwatch league (laughs) 
Unreal all the way through Unreal Tournament 3, all the, all the, all the Unreal Tournament series have bots the backfill <laughs> if a player leaves the game. Yeah. So if it's 16 versus 15, a bot will join your team and help you even the odds. And yeah. they may not get a ton of kills. They might hold a 1.0 kill-death ratio. You know, they kind of hold even. But that's all you need. You just need to not be outnumbered by that one or even two people in every fight. That's all it takes. And other games are great at this. Counter-Strike Global Offensive does a great job of this and that they give you an npc who is terrible it's a terrible bot but you can take over it overwatch refuses to but this isn't about overwatch steve has to go he's batman <laughs> my chick tracy watch just yelled at me tracy flat tops down on fifth so yeah it, it, he's it, shooting up the fifth street bank there, there were a lot of really cool technologies that unreal brought it refined a lot of other mm-hmm. in, innovations that were coming about in the first person shooter and gaming industry as a whole at a time where hardware was doubling in speed every two years per Moore's Law, and software was competing just like this. This is the golden age for games because they were not only looking this better. This is the golden they were, age. For, I mean, I had fun today. Game development. It's the golden age for games. At the time, it was pretty pretty goddamn golden. <laughs> to be clear about where we are on this arc Think of golden age, like this is the beginning. That, that oh, in the they sense the that they're old, not great. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It, it's not that the game itself is filled with Tarnished great immersion-filled story-driven gameplay. All your narrative done in Unreal is done through translator messages. You have to walk up to like a panel or some dead person's book. There's a lot of books in this game. And you have to read their yeah, entries. These aliens had a lot of hardback printed books. And these entries are sometimes as long as a Twitter message. I mean, they're very short, but they get to the point. I was trying to do this, then this happened, and now I don't know what's going to happen. Oh, they're dead. So clearly it didn't work for them. But you can kind of tell what happened. Yeah, we killed all those people on that planet. Yeah, we, all the little Goros. You, you <laughs> killed, oh, man. You killed all of the Nali, and that was heartbreaking, you monsters. <laughs> they looked like Goro meets Oddworld. Yeah, they needed to die. Starbucks I don't think my order got shot in the face by a scourge. Hashtag bad day. <laughs> Wait, are we the scourge? Yes, we are. Um, you can this play is through. this some kind of twist? Is this he, some he kind of was, dead space thing he... where I was the villain? Or so, what was the end of that game? Actually, that mod I was developing in high school, you did play as the scourge. <laughs> Although I never was able to get that thing fully released. As you may know, when it comes to free talent, people definitely will come and go know. as they please. That I do know. Yes, I can speak to as that you definitely unendingly. Know. And it's... It's very hard to deliver, and that's why there's so many vaporware mod projects with this game. I mean, of 100 announcements, you might see five of them actually come out in mm-hmm. a full release state, and maybe another 10 in a partial release state. Um, so my mod, Scarjops, did come out as a partial release state, but it was mm-hmm. a mutator, um, which is a type of thing in this game where it modifies the existing game. So all the weapons and assets Don't we all created... mods modify No, some mods are total conversion, game? where you... Oh, the mod converts it, as opposed to the mods that modify... Are you making this up? No. <laughs> let me let me clarify. I'm, Unreal, gonna, I'm only going to ask you this once a year. Are you lying to me? <laughs> no, I am not lying. I know you're smarter than me, and I know you could get away with it. <laughs> so Unreal, Unreal Gold specifically, not Unreal, the original release. Unreal Gold introduced something that had come out in Unreal Tournament, which was called Mutators. What this is is a list of small modifiers. Um, a very popular one back in the day was Big Head Mod, where the more kills you got, the bigger your head got. I'm familiar with this in other games. So that's not really like, it's not like a full mod. DK, it's man. just a slight DK, modification DK mod. to one thing. It's not like a full-out mod, where like a mod, a total conversion mod is, you don't even start the game normally. You click on a different shortcut that gets made from when you download this mod. It launches the game with parameters that then loads into your, basically a copy of the game that has everything replaced with something you've done. Completely different levels, different menu, different settings even, different music, different sound effects, different weapons. Total conversion in that, yes, we built this off of Unreal, but there's nothing really intact from the original game here. So it's just not even Unreal anymore, really. That's total conversion mod. And Mutator is, I, I took one thing and I changed it. I made the minigun into a sniper rifle. That That's a Mutator. So... There's different degrees of mods, and those are kind of two of the most extremes. The lightest kind is a mutator. The most in-depth is total conversion. Was that the end? I'm sorry. You lost me like eight <laughs> seconds in there. I believe every word you said. Okay. <clears throat> if your total conversion mod isn't going to pan out, you're probably going to look at your assets, cut the levels out, or put them up as a standalone level pack that someone else can use. You're going to take all the code, make it into a mutator. So in my case, I made a code that replaced all the weapons in the game with the weapons that I designed. It replaced a lot of things with the lighting engine with modifications I'd made, including a real-time lighting thing that I'd done. It looked at your computer's clock to set the lighting in the levels. Pretty cool at the time, but 
in your mind, what you just said is simpler to me than the thing you said before. <laughs> one of one of the best mods that I've I played. I don't know if uh, Corey, if you ever played this. I believe it was a Quake mod for uh, it turned it into Dragon Ball Z. It was, it was called Bid for Power. I think I've I seen that. that I never downloaded it. Is this like it, that Magneto video in GTA Five? Probably. Has anyone seen that? I, I I know what you're talking about, but I can't. It's amazing. Like like it's it's like the man made a Magneto game that I would right. play for hours on end. So it it literally it has nothing to do with Quake. All it did was take yeah. the game of Quake and then. What make about Trent Reznor's score? Gone. Gone. No Dragon sale. Ball Z. <laughs> Hard pass. But it, it turned it literally made a Dragon Ball Z game. They replaced where... it with Disturbed. So yeah. that, that would be a total conversion. That's about right. <laughs> so that 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 would be a total conversion, same way as uh, Call of Duty Four: Modern Warfare had a Star Wars conversion, I believe. Yeah, they had a full conversion that turned yeah. it into Battlefield or uh, Battlefront. Battlefront. Excuse yeah. me. Why not just play Battlefront? At the because time, this, it wasn't out. Yeah, at the time, the only option you had for Star Wars Battlefront was to go Found out and PlayStation play, 2. play the old one. Play the old one, yeah. which actually didn't even... I don't even think the servers were active at the time. They are, or they are now. They were then. They weren't for a few years. But right. Yeah. There's still not a lot of people playing it, though. There's still not a lot of people playing the current one. No. That's your point. <laughs> Did you get the second one? No. Uh, I got the first one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Black Friday or whatever. That I saw you online for like six hours, and then you never played it again. Yeah, that game that's... was a lot of fun for like a week. It came free with my PlayStation 4, and yeah. it was worth it. Super fun. <laughs> and then it just wasn't. Yeah. There's so but many... now there's a Darth Vader on my PlayStation, so yeah. I got that going for me. Yeah. I kind of wish it made the breathing sounds, though. I mean, like the Xbox 360s they had that looked like R2-D2 that made the noises? I'm sorry, I'm, what? I've never seen that. You didn't know that was a Can thing? I have one? Yeah, <laughs> Sir, made... I think this is a thing you've made up. <laughs> they had an R2-D2 one. They had a C-3PO one. I would be really annoyed by a C-3PO. After about... I'd probably be annoyed by R2. I think it's cute for like five minutes. You're like, oh, look at him beeping and booping, and it's 2 a.m. And you're like, shut up! I had the uh, Gears <laughs> the of War one. Get out of here! I had like Gears of War sound effects. What? what Gears of War? Yeah, I was gonna say. I was like, you say that like what sound effects are you say that like the there's game. iconic Gears I, of yeah, War sound effects so, that we all I, know and love. You turn it on and you hear the the chainsaw gun. <laughs> you can't like carry that. Jules Mad World. What? I would love that. It was in the trailer, right? <laughs> yeah. Do you yeah, hear that you yeah. died? Reload um, checkpoint. That, that, is, that trailer like, is the reason I bought an Xbox. I saw that trailer. I think you're not alone. I saw that trailer and I was like, I need this fucking game. Halo 3 is why I, I bought an Xbox I bought an Xbox yeah, and yeah. it got delayed, I think. It finally came out. I bought it and I played it for maybe three fucking years. I was obsessed with that I game. played the first two a lot. And that is related to Unreal because it's the same guy, basically. Is that, it the same yeah, guy? Same well, level designer go. for that. Designed most of the So Game this of is War. like the THX 1138 to the Star Wars in your mind. You lost me. I love how you could go off on all kinds of technology. I said the name of one movie, and everybody looks at me like I'm a fucking alien. Who the fuck are you talking about? THX 1138 is, is George Lucas's... I don't think his, I like George Lucas. I think I just like a few Star Wars. George Lucas made a movie. He made a sci-fi movie called THX 1138 with Robert Duvall. It's based on one of his college short films, but it's a it's a feature-length film. And You're selling me on it. <laughs> and, then he made, and then he made American Graffiti, and then he made Star Wars. He's, he's directed other movies. Are you sure? Star Wars was his third feature film. Yeah, and then and THX then he... became something to break your speakers when you were a kid. Yeah. Well, that <laughs> obviously you had shitty speakers. Yeah. THX just proved it. <laughs> <laughs> I concur. And with that, I've been David. <laughs> I'm Steve. I'm Corey. And I'm Brian. Enjoy Unreal. You've been listening to Caddy Wampus. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr at Caddy Wampus Pod. Email us at caddywampuspodcast at gmail.com. Music by Tilly. 